0: Hey everybody, I want to take a second to tell you about Snagit 2022. I don't have time to go into all the details about Snagit 2022, but it has a variety of options for fast and easy to use video creation. It's got new ways to work across devices and platforms with the new cloud library. And your purchase or upgrade includes your first year of maintenance and the newly updated Snagit certification course. With 20 plus videos of Snagit how-tos, certification is a great way to help you speed up your workflows, unlock potential, and get your work done faster. So check out Snagit 2022 today at snagit.com. And now back to the podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are and watching from. We're so glad that you're here with us in The Visual Lounge. We're thankful that you take your time out of your day to listen, to watch whatever you're doing, whether you're doing it live or in the podcast feed, which you can find on any of your favorite podcasting platforms, of course. We've got another great show for you today. Before we get started, we've been talking about an event that's coming up and the date is almost here. We've partnered with Thinkific, and I'm gonna play a little video here just in a second so you can hear all about that, it's really short. But I just want you to know the date's coming up, so if you haven't had a chance to sign up for that, this is the last chance, and then I won't talk about it again, I promise. But uh, let's go ahead and watch that video real quick, and, and you guys can hear about the great, fantastic opportunity to learn more, because if you're making digital courses, there's things for you to learn. I am so excited to announce that we've partnered with Zaley Barclay and Thinkific to support Thinking in Color 2021. And let's not bury the lead, we've got an exciting opportunity to help you on your way to creating your own digital product. Three lucky members of the TechSmith community can win six months free on Thinkific. All you have to do to be entered in for a chance to win is register for the event at our exclusive link that we'll put in the chat. Kicking off on July 27th, this free virtual event series will showcase 15 plus amazing female digital entrepreneurs, hosting talks and workshops that can help you create, market, and sell your own digital content. Register now for free and get access to an amazing lineup of speakers and their insightful workshops. And don't forget that chance to win six months free of Thinkific. What a great opportunity if you're making courses to learn about that and that fantastic chance to win. But now on with the real thing, the real reason you're here is our guest today. So let me go ahead and just introduce Elizabeth is an established talent industry professional dedicated to driving a progressive learning culture throughout organizations to meet company, customer, and employee goals for strategic growth. She has 20-plus years of in-depth knowledge focusing on employee development, talent, lifecycle design, and leadership evolution. Her experience ranges from large-scale organizations such as Oracle and Walmart, e-commerce, to hyper-growth startups, Taskus, Uber, Eventbrite, and Glassdoor. And while Elizabeth Pierce has a great name, she is in no way, that I know of at least, related to me. She's a great friend, and I mean, she is an incredibly knowledgeable leader. So please help me welcoming uh, Elizabeth Pierce. The Visual Lounge.
1: Hey, Elizabeth. Hi, hi. Thanks for the great introduction. Yeah, not not related, but
0: not not related. <laughs> you know, although I could think of worse people to be related to if it if it came down to it. <laughs> but you know, no no, no nepotism here. Just it's it's not you know just it's a name. So, well, Elizabeth, I'm I'm really glad that you're here. And you know, bios are great. They they say a lot, but they don't say everything. So let's start off just because I want to make sure we understand kind of where you're coming from. Is there anything else that you would want us to know about yourself before we jump into our questions today?
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, for me, the learning industry has been amazing. It's uh, over 20 years and I've loved every moment of it. Uh, Previously, I was in um, litigation and legal for six years and then decided to kind of take a break and jumped into learning and thought like, oh, I'll do this for a couple months. And now I'm over 20 years later and I wouldn't change a thing. I love everything I do. And um, it's always exciting and
0: fun and um, just an interesting experience. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting because I hear so many people, not, not that exact same story, but very similar stories. Oh, I wasn't meant, I didn't think I was ever going to do learning development. I was doing X and then I fell into this and we just have that way of grabbing people and and keeping them. I hope that's a good thing.
1: (laughs) Oh, for sure. Absolutely. It's been an amazing ride and just, I'm sorry I didn't find it 25 years ago.
0: So, yeah. So, So in terms of that's how you came into this, tell us a little bit because you're a leader in kind of in your organization, you've been in a lot of leadership positions. Tell us like from your perspective as a leader, what are you focused on and and kind of high level? And we're not asking specifics about particular, but like, what are you worried about? What are the big things that you care about when when you're working with your teams to create learning content?
1: Yeah. The big thing that um, partnering with your leadership team uh, for your particular company or the client that you might be working with is the biggest thing. What are their goals? What are the things that uh, could be blockers to to reach their goals, um, to reach the the spaces that they want to be in in the future? Those are the key things I've always looked at. I always looked at the overall business um, and then how Trainee can plug and play and actually support um, the business and support those goals and how they want to maybe move forward. Um, So if, if I... If I roll it back and I think about when I was a facilitator or creating training, it was all about making those that training more robust. And then I look to my uh, learning leads to help me uh, identify like the business case that we were actually uh, developing the learning for. Um, versus now it's more uh, talking with leaders and saying, like, hey, what are where do you want to be in the next you know, year, where you mean the next two years, and then building the training back to support that. However, with like COVID, it's changed a little bit. So um, not only are you agile in the classroom and how you actually move things around, but now you have to be super agile around people's uh, workspace or their their wellness or how you actually engage them. And it just becomes a little bit more complex in the last like year and a half or so. So um, it's been really interesting to sort of watch how things move around. Um
0: yeah so so let's let's kind of look at this for a second. So you know you talked about making sure that you're talking to the leadership, right? probably c-suite or whoever's up there and understanding what their needs and so it feels like in some ways you're very much kind of relaying those goals and making those goals and translating them for the l and d department to to be able to achieve what it, make that connection right Is, is that a fair assessment?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you may have um, your main goals for the company, and then you serve as sort of like a consultant in-house to um, a particular division uh, within that company. Say, hey, you know, division X, your goals are X, Y, and Z. How can trainees support you? um to actually achieve those goals what are some behavior changes that you need Uh, what are knowledge that you knowledge checks that you need um is there going to be like a mass hiring that has to occur within that department and like how we can we support onboarding for that how can we support continued development um and how can we even support from like an hr perspective as well because there may be some training that that we need to do based on on Hiring, recruitment, turnover rates, manager trainings, any of those things. So it really is about supporting the whole business and what training can we provide that would support the business and have an impact to help reach those goals uh, faster,
0: um, but also in a robust way. Yeah, no, that that makes total sense. And so I'm thinking, okay, so we know if we have our goals and we were you're working with your L&D team, let's say I'm on your L&D team. And we're, we're talking about how we're going to meet one of those goals. And it could be, I know there's a variety of them. So I, I'm trying to speak in generalities because we don't have a specific mapped out example. But when you're working with that team, at some point, it's going to come down to the decision like, OK, we're going to do X program. We're going to build a program that's going to allow to teach this skill or change this behavior. Um, at what point are you involved in some of the like the content format decisions, are you leaving that up to your team or is that something that like you're all collaborating on or is there just kind of a given like, nope, we do X, Y, and Z content and that's gonna solve all our problems.
1: Yeah, well, um, unfortunately, I try to still dabble in it. But when you have like <laughs> over 45 people, it's a little hard. And yeah. you just have to make sure that you hire the right people in the right roles. And there are amazing instructional designers that are on my team that and content writers that like there's no way I could do that. Like they're, they're amazing. They are, have a very collaborative environment. Um, and we really uh, encourage that. To have that collaborative space so that we can make the best decisions for, for the business. So even our senior social designers will go and like collaborate with um, stakeholders and say, hey, I know that you need X training. Um, that we think that potentially because you have this environment, these are the audiences, um, this is the time frame. So your typical like addy model scenarios, like this is what we think will actually work best and hit the mark so that you can actually uh, you know, change that behavior, or you can Actually, ingrain that knowledge into the learners to actually produce and like continue with that behavior and change.
0: Yeah, so it sounds very collaborative, both with the, the designers plus the the stakeholder on the other side who's uh, who's interested in the outcome. Right? They they might have a, a viewpoint. So okay, so if we're we're looking at this, we've made some decisions. You've put some programs out there. What, how, how are you doing? Like, so we're going to talk about measurement, right? So we're going to dive into the measurement side of things. So we, we've done all this work, we've done all this analysis, we've done the design, that we, if we're using Addy as our, our model here. And at some point we have to say, is this actually having the impact that we want it to have? And my guess is that, you know, especially you uh, as that liaison to the, the C-suite are on the hook. You know, instructional designers, great. They're on the hook for you. It, it, they better make good stuff. But you're on the hook to make sure it's effective. So what what are the metrics or what are the things that you're looking at that to help you guide that? And we're going to keep kind of funneling down here into some of these more narrow conversations. But I'm, I'm really curious because we talk to a lot of the folks who are in more my seat, more instructional designers, right? They're they're creating content. They're worried about developing the content. And, of course, they want good outcomes. They, we don't just create stuff because... Well, sometimes we create stuff because we like to create stuff, but we we want effective outcomes. We want to change behaviors. We want to improve performance. We want to, uh, you know, broaden you know my, a lot of my says broaden awareness or whatever it might be. But as a leader, I, I'm, I'm I guess I'm curious if if your things that you worry about are similar to the things I'm worried about, or even similar to the C-suite, and if there's a, truly an alignment there, or if there's there are things that are different. That's a big question. Yeah, I, I know. Think- Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Um, I think one of the key things is that as a leader, you make sure that your team actually knows what the end game is. So being very, communication is absolutely 100% key. So if if my team knows, like, hey, I need for you to develop this particular aspect or this particular training, and this is why, and this is the this is the this is the end game, and like the path that we want to go to. So let's say that that your company is going to roll out a new product. So you've kept really close tabs with the product team. You know that this project is going to hit in the next two weeks, um, and this team needs to know how to address it, and then this team needs to know how to respond to customers with it. So you're looking at it across. So if you assign um, particular instructional designers to say like, hey, here's your bucket of what we need and this is your audience. And then, hey, over here, this is the team and this is your audience. It's all about the same product that's going to be released, but people are viewing it and interacting it with a different in a different mode in a different way. So we need to actually design the training um, to support the product rollout, but also support how those audiences are going to learn and how we want to actually Uh, measure the the behavior of the change. Like, for instance, if we have a customer service team that is responding to questions around the product, you know, what's the amount of time in terms of response? How much time are they spending on the call? Like, what are the different things we need to maybe tweak? One of the best things, if you have that luxury, is to run a mini pilot around something. So in past companies, we've had like, hey, we're going to release this product in this region um, over the next three months. And that's like a huge luxury to have. So then you can test run and sprint out those those trainings and see if they really work, and then do like a, a post mortem and say like, hey, these are the things that did work, these are the things that didn't work, and then these are the things that we actually need to change for when we
0: roll it out to a bigger training group. Does does that help? No, that's awesome. So I love this idea that like you're you're putting some uh, kind of feet on the ground. You're you're looking at it if you can, but like you said, that's a that's a huge luxury to be able to do that. You know, not. I guess my guess is most people don't have that. The other question here is, so you talked about work like in customer service, for example. Obviously lots of training has to happen there, new products, things in uh, software as a service company or SaaS companies, that's that's always changing, right? Like things are always going. I hear a lot and, and I don't know if it's just maybe I'm keen into it because it's something, you know, I'm keen into. I don't know whether it's true or not. I hear a lot, people have a hard time getting the data. It's hard for them to be able to measure. So if I roll something out to our customer service team, it's hard to know whether that training really worked. What advice would you give to anyone who's building a program or they're in their program, saying like, "Ah, I'd love to do that. I'd love to know," but I, I, they just don't have access or they don't know how to go about getting it. What 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 would you go if you're going to hire into that company and first day, what would you tell them?
1: Uh, quiz. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like. If you don't have a quiz or you don't have a knowledge check like that's a huge mess um so you go back to the whole thing of like you tell them you tell them again you tell them what you told them and you keep doing that over and over again but like having a quiz or a knowledge check at the end to make sure that number one they paid attention and number two maybe it sunk in and then you maybe have like a reinforcement again um, but like actually thinking about the training as a, as a full timeline experience. So you don't just have like a one and done experience because you have that forgetting curve that occurs. So going through and making sure that you have that, you have the the learnings and then you have like a knowledge check and then you have a littler learning and then you have a knowledge check. And then maybe you go like a couple days and you say like, hey, just as a refresher, just take this little knowledge check quiz and let's see where you are with that. So that's like the fastest, easiest way to just like make a really big impact very quickly. Um, so many times I've walked into companies and it's basically been like, you know 300 slides and then they just threw it into an e-learning. And it's like that's that's not very helpful uh, because then I'm just sitting there looking at slides and I don't even know what I need to retain and I don't know why I need to retain it necessarily. Um, so going in and just saying, okay, like let's chunk these things out make them a little more interactive perhaps like uh, and then making the quizzes a little more interactive as well. Um, and then from there going through and measuring, like, did this actually land? Did it land in the right space? Are um, the supervisors on the floor of the the call center actually seeing, you know, faster responses? Are we actually seeing um, hold times being reduced um, because of the training? So you can look at the other measurements uh, from the training that are uh, a little bit more robust, if you might say.
0: Yeah, no, I I love that, and it seems like uh, so. This takes us back to the beginning of the process, right? Like defining and understanding what what the learner needs to do, and what measurements. Like even maybe looking at not waiting to the end to say, like, do we have measurement? Saying what can we measure? So if I am working with customer service, what I am hearing you say is I should be talking to customer service and saying, what do you look at? Do you look at ticket topics? Do you look at uh, speed to close ticket? Like. see if I can find that performance behavior and then make sure I built that into my program, right?
1: Yeah, and different companies measure different ways. So there are particular companies that say like, we don't care how long it takes for you to answer that call. We want a good quality score, a good MPS at the end. Like we want that five-star rating. Like, and we don't care how long it's going to take you to do that. Um, there are other companies that are like, hey, we actually want to look at like how long it takes somebody on the call. Um, and that's a different that's a different aspect. So there's different ways like you have to look at like how the company is going to measure success for that call center and those agents. Um, and then you can build around that as well. So it just depends. And it also depends on the culture of the company as well.
0: Well, I, I love all this, and I I know there's probably someone who's going to watch this and say, "But they're not talking about video. This was about video <laughs> measurement." Uh, and I, so let's let's talk a little bit about video because I think everything you said to me just makes sense. Like video is a medium, and but I, I'm curious from your experience because I know you've had some experience with using video throughout the different organizations you've worked at. Is, is there something different about a video compared to, say, a PowerPoint deck or an e-learning module or any other form training format that you might put forward in terms of looking to see if it's effective?
1: Um, I love the video aspect. Um, just because video tells a story, if you can see a story on a PowerPoint, right? Like someone mm-hmm. can tell you a story, like show you a picture of a cat and then tell you a story about the cat. Right? But if you see that cat like moving around and that cat's kind of telling a story around something, you're more likely to remember that because like, that's pretty funny. Like a cat is actually like walking down the street and like using our product or something. Like that makes it super entertaining. And people tend to remember things that are more interactive um, versus I'm just looking at a static um, slide. That's not necessarily the most interactive way of doing something. So I'm a huge fan of video. Also in terms of video, even if you think about things more around like safety. Um, if you see something where like, hey, this is what happened, this person did this particular action, and this is what occurred, Then um, you see the impact of that, it's a little bit more impactful that person, they can have a little bit more empathy and actually feel for what's happening in the environment. And then when they go, they're like, oh, that's right, this happened in the video. And this is what I probably shouldn't do um or this is why I should do um, from a safety standpoint. So video is super awesome to use just as a as an engagement tool and as an as a space to really bring people into the story of what you're trying to tell them in terms of training. I've always said like if you can make a training if you can create a relationship that's personal in the training and then create that business connection, um, then they're more likely to remain remember it and actually do it when they actually, um, have to use that training, um, in a live environment. So you make it personal, align it to the business, align it to a business or a, or a, um, a business environments or space or experience. And then they're more likely to remember it.
0: I, I love that. That's that. I think that's so great, we're gonna make it, I love the personality, because I, I agree, like when I've been, when I watch videos, I love connecting with that person, I love feeling like they're, they're talking to me, and that's, that's so cool. I, I wanna, we're gonna shift here just for a second, because you said something about engagement, and that's, it's a word that comes up in learning a lot, and it's, I think it's one of those hot button words, like people are like, no, engagement, that's, we do you know. I, I'm curious for you, when you talk about engagement, especially with video, what does that mean? I was in a webinar literally yesterday pre- presenting. I, I used the word engagement and the questions came up because they hear the word, most people hear the word engagement in the learning space and they think it means interactivity. But I'm curious if that's true for you or what what do you mean when you say it creates engagement?
1: So engagement in terms of the the space. So if I am thinking about... Someone engaging engaging with a video for a learning experience. Like, is that person staying on, staying in the experience, or are they clicking around and moving around to different spaces? Or um, is somebody. Um, are they retaining something and able to answer a quiz question? Um, Because sometimes you'll put out a video and that like all the information you need is actually sitting in that video. So if you don't watch the video, you're going to get the question wrong. Um, So making sure that the engagement is there for the person who's actually viewing it um, and is experiencing that particular space. Um, So in terms of, uh, I always think of, I also think of engagement in terms of did they retain it in terms of, are they going to, um, Remember it. But then also, are they going to talk about it? Um, that's another form of engagement. So, for instance, I had a um, this is this is like a couple of years ago. I had uh, for the state of California, you have to do uh, harassment training. And we had a a great session where we had this one product where we put people through and it's like, basically you just stayed online for two hours and just click through slides. And that was it. Um, We also, so we went through and we did some search and we found this company that did um, a really highly engaged, like scenario based and videos based um, harassment training. And basically by word of mouth, the managers were like, this is so funny and like engaging in terms of like people did things that were just like, that was so obviously wrong. And they were kind of laughing at it, but they were like, Oh, but this makes total sense. So they were actually recommending other managers to take the training. So that actually alleviated some of the pain points for our HR team who would always have to like go and like track people down and say, you've got to take the harassment training. They were naturally and organically doing it because they found the the training was super engaging. Certain aspects of it were kind of funny because it was like, why would you ever do that? Um, So it was, it kind of like self-populated and everybody ended up taking it and we were at a, I think it was like a 99% um, rate of uh, accomplishment. The 1% was like somebody was on maternity leave or something else, but like we were at a really high rate and we got it all done within like two months. And that's just like unheard of, especially for harassment training in California you have to sit there for two hours.
0: Yeah, well, that's awesome. And it, it does raise a question though, because I think this is one of the, you know, I, I love video. I'm gonna go on record publicly, as everyone didn't already know, that I love video and I think it's a great medium and I and I love it for all the reasons you talked about and more. But it raises the question, one of the things I think some leaders get nervous about, especially something like that, where it's compliance training, it's mandatory. You said they laughed. And that seems it feels like there's like a like, oh gosh, should this be funny? Should, should this be stupid? Like, could, is this okay? I, and I'm, I'm curious as a leader, your your perspective, because I think obviously there's always a balance there, right? We don't want to do anything yeah. inappropriate. We don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. Nope. But I think in, in the, probably the example you're talking about, I've seen similar videos. It's like you're pointing out how absolutely terribly ridiculous that someone would do this mm-hmm. is, right? And so, but I guess- how, how are you balancing that as a leader to make sure that it is engaging? You're telling having those good stories as good connection points, but it's not going beyond the mark and, and causing maybe problems that you didn't intend to create.
1: Yeah, no, we vetted everything, which was which is of course you're going to do with every video, right? You're going to vet everything out. Um, for that particular example, there were things that were just like this is obviously wrong. Does everyone agree that this is wrong? And it's like you click on the button and he's like, yes, this is obviously wrong. Um, so from that, it's just very interesting to go through. And people were just like enormously engaged with what was going on with that particular video and just going through and saying like, that was so obviously incorrect and awful. And then we can't ever do that. So it was very, um, It was very interesting to watch how the managers uh, were interacting with that and saying like that was just unbelievable. And we're like, yeah, do you see why this is such an important topic to actually talk through and have engaging conversations around like what is completely inappropriate and what is not and what it is, what is appropriate in terms of like just particular swim lanes. There are things that are, um that are okay. And there are things that are absolutely a hundred percent not, and there's no gray area. And those are the uh, the opportunities where you say like, okay, if you're unsure, please come to your HR department and talk to us about something that is occurring. So it was very engaging with the fact that it caused, it created... Uh, conversations that were very open with our HR departments. It created conversations that uh, folks were more aware of their um, emotional intelligence level. They were more aware of their, their, their EQ. they were more aware of their biases or unconscious biases. Um, And it actually allowed us to create even more training around it in terms of um, being more helpful for uh, our culture, for a culture that in the company I was working for in the culture around uh, creating that safe space, space to work and be transparent and really pull out our, do our best work for um, for our for our customers and our clients and really being a truly engaged company and it was just a it was a really great experience for everyone to truly be fully aware and it was one of the full one of the few companies that i've worked for that really truly it, the video and the engagement worked really well, and it really became an organic um, situation where people wanted to really do it. And then we really made a huge impact, and we were actually nominated for um, one of the best places to work because we were super aware of what was going on with um, with everybody in the in the company, and we had that transparent and safe environment um, around servant leadership.
0: Yeah, I well, I love that, and I want to pull out a couple things that you you said because if we're kind of thinking about our measurements right like it's probably really hard to measure did I create a safe space but the outcomes of people talking about those things the outcomes of people coming to HR and having those conversations is evidence and and, and I know those things are hard to like quantify but it's that qualitative or the you know yeah the qualitative side of it right that that I think is so important when it comes to learning in general um, I, I'm, I'm sure the c-suites everywhere want a number if they can get a number they'll take a number i'm sure but to me what what i've heard you say is that you were able to, to to have these outcomes and that's what we really want right these outcomes and you've got these outcomes that are are indicating that this training had this effect which led to this outcome which we, you know we probably don't want to measure the number of conversations they have to, hr had to have as a good. It's not a good indicator because maybe yeah, that's you, not the real thing. But,
1: but you can measure exit interviews. You can measure um, your engagement surveys. Um, you can measure uh, what, who is leaving, what team, and for what reason. So if you have a manager who has maybe a turnover rate of thirty, is that turnover rate negative? They're leaving because of that manager, or is that turnover rate because that manager is doing such an amazing job as a leader? And they're actually going to maybe another company and like moving up in their career or they're moving to another space in the organization for their career. Like that's a huge impact to have. So like really looking at that measurement was was great. Um, It was it was very interesting to measure those things after that training and measure engagement prior to that training. Um, We had a, we had a baseline from an engagement survey. And so we had like, Hey, this is a, this is a problem. Not only are we not in compliance for certain things, but like, this is also starting, we're starting to see a trend because we grew so fast. So let's take that measurement and then let's do this training. And then let's take another measurement um, three months later and see where we are. And then also look at, Turnover rates, exit interviews, um, the engagement of the actual teams themselves. Um, are we able to hire good people into the roles? Are are people paying attention to the entire employee life cycle um, in terms of you know uh, like bringing on the right people? People are recommending others to work for the company all the way through onboarding to career development and movement to even offboarding. Are people actually writing um, highly? Are they highly recommending us on? Are they actually recommending folks to come and work for us even after they've left? Um, so you can look at all those measurements and all those data points um, from an HR perspective as well.
0: Yeah, I love I love that this is like the puzzle, and you've got all these pieces, and you're you're bringing them together and to say, you know, before this is what the picture looked like. We did this thing. And after. And 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 I I love this because I, I I know from a broad perspective, this is this is all training, but particularly with video and video trainings, internal trainings, HR type of video trainings, this is this is so important because I think oftentimes I will break it down to number of views, watch time, you know, are there places that are rewatching? Now I do a lot of customer education, so that we don't have a lot of the other data, but internally you've got more data than i think anyone ever realizes it just it's not going to be so uh, served up on a silver platter
1: yeah for sure there's all these like hidden data points that you can you can go out and grab but that actually goes back down to the like what is your business goal right mm-hmm. like if you've got a if you've got a business and your turnover rate is like 40% in a call center that's a problem <gasps> So like, what's going on with your call center? Um, and just saying, like, okay, where where are the points that we're failing within that call center? Is it a turnover rate? Is it, you know, we're not giving the proper training? Is it our culture? Is it um is it is it our product? Like what what's actually happening? My my first training job, um, the CEO would walk by my desk and be like, we've got a problem in uh, the call center, 40% turnover rate, fix it. You're the trainer, fix it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was like that was like my second like kind of job like training job that like assignment i was ever given like go fix it and so basically i had to figure out how to fix it and i was like well where is it coming from why do we have that 40 percent turnover rate um so that was the goal for the company was to get that turnover rate you know
0: reduced so i fixed it that's because you're awesome that's the way you, you were able to fix it. It's, that's a, what, a, what a great story. Uh, and what a challenge, right? And It's, it's so great. Yeah. So I do want to share, Elizabeth, we've got a comment and a question I want to ask from the audience here. The comment is, uh, they said, uh, Graphitius said, uh, I, first, I created an example, uh, for example, a three-hour set of videos. Nobody watched it. And I think this is going back to maybe some of the engagement stuff. And then goes on to say, and I knew immediately by continuing to receive the same questions from staff, that had been answered in the video training drove me mu- drove me nuts. Breaking in digestible chunks meant better engagement. So, yeah, definitely one of those great tips. And appreciate that comment because it's easy to do. It's easy to get caught up in we're just gonna put it out there, not thinking about engagement along the way. And the question, uh, Grafficius asks. Uh, over on YouTube, what would a, what would be a top LMS slash training platform that you prefer or recommend for hosting, presenting, getting feedback and measuring training material and performance? I say, thanks. Now I know that is a loaded question. Like there are thousands of potential platforms you could recommend, but you're welcome to answer that. But I'd almost spin it to say like, what do you look for in, in these tools, because there's probably lots of tools and I don't want to make you recommend something unless you're comfortable with that, uh, but what kind of things do you look for? Because you've worked in lots of organizations, you've seen lots of tools. Are there keys to you that make it just your job and life so much easier?
1: There are a couple of things. First of all, I think about the client. Like I think about the, my company, like what, what does my company need? Like that's, that's a big one. Um, number two, what, what's my audience? Like the people they're going to actually be interacting with the LMS. Like, what what do they? How how are they interacting? Like, you don't want to buy or or commit to an LMS that um, doesn't have um, a responsive design so they can look on your cell phone if you know if you don't need it, right? Like, is there mm-hmm. different ways uh, how people are going to view the the training? Um, and then I also think about the skill set of the learning team. Like, do I have, um, if have I promoted folks uh, within the call center that have gone from an agent to a supervisor to a facilitator, and now they're going to start putting things into an LMS? Um, Do I want to have an LMS that is very drag and drop? Um, Do I want to have an LMS that somebody has to code stuff to get into? Like, how complex do I need it to be? And then I also need to look at like the training that's going to be rolled out. Like what's the complexity of the training that, that I need to roll out. And also how many people do I need to roll it out to? And then like, where am I rolling it out? Um, So I'd also think about your LMS admin, like who's that going to be? Um, So there's like, there's so many different things that, um, you need to consider for the best LMS. No one LMS fits best for any one space. You're always gonna have like 80% of every LMS is gonna be is gonna be the one that you pick, 80% of it's gonna be what you what you dream of. And 20% is gonna be like, I wish it had this, I wish it had that, I wish it, it's like every platform is gonna be the same. It's gonna be very similar. There's um there is a book uh that is uh I think it's called like a hundred questions. 100 LMS questions to ask. Um, and that book, without saying the author, the the book is actually really good in terms of going through like, these are all the questions you should ask um, when you're trying to consider an LMS, because every single company is different in terms of like what they actually need.
0: Yeah. And, you know, having done some research in this area recently, I can tell you that there, there there's just so many options and uh, it's hard to know from a website what what the tools can really do, and but I love I love your advice because I know, you know, like what I might need may be very different than what you need, Elizabeth. Like it's just completely different worlds, right? And I think it's hard to make a recommendation based on a, a particular kind of question. It, I know it's. Uh, there's some great resources. I love that you mentioned that book. I know uh, friends of ours and partners of ours thought industries have a, a PDF that you can find. It's like 62 or 67 things to look for. And now they're, but they're focused on like customer education. So externally facing LMSs. So, yeah. but there's lots of great resources out there that you can, you can go find. Graphius just, so hopefully, hopefully that, those, that helps. So we got another question came in. I want to go, we're going back to your story about, hey, 40% turnover, fix it. Um mm-hmm. Eddie yeah. was asking a, from LinkedIn to ask, did you, did you have to fix it? Did you fix it? Or did you have a team? Um, we're curious what, what happened?
1: Yeah. So it was basically me and the head of HR. And so we went in we're like, where, where's the data points? Where Where's the failure? What is happening? We looked at every exit interview from, from the department. We looked at um, the uh, engagement surveys. Uh, we basically sat and observed um, the set, like the the floor, for like two weeks, just to kind of see what was happening, and from that we got actually got it down to twenty when we actually instituted. Um um, recognition programs. Um, so, for instance, this particular call center was more—it uh, was a telephone company—and essentially, we had this like rotating award where, like, if a um, a person who called in um, got like a kudos or a a thank you so much from a from a customer, that particular like customer award would like rotate with rotate the different desks. So, and then we had a customer award of the month, like the most amazing thing. And the CEO would like come in and be like, thank you so much. You won the award. We're so excited. And thank you so much for your hard work and really recognize that person, um, which was, which was fantastic. Um, then also, uh, we instituted a manager training program. So we realized that while at, the time we didn't have a lot of things built, um, but we went through and said, like, okay, what how can we build an engaging manager and and supervisor program? Because basically the company was a startup. So basically you would come in and you'd be an agent. And then as we were seeing, like, oh, that person's really smart, why don't we put them as a as a supervisor, but not give them any training? And then that supervisor would become like the head of delegator supervisors, right? So, but they didn't have any training on how to do that. So we saw like increased number of like HR issues, we saw turnover rates that were crazy. So it was just like, how do we actually like take the information and say like, hey, this is actually the core problem that we're trying to solve here. We want to reduce the turnover rate. But we're also seeing that the reason why people are leaving is because like We don't have manager training and, you know, we aren't nice to each other in the call center. So like we got to fix that and give people recognition that they deserve and give us a better environment. We even invested in another, uh, an external program that was specifically for for call center training that was a little more robust, more soft skills training. So like even giving everybody a a branded um, mirror that they put at their desk, because when you like, when you see yourself in the mirror and you're smiling, you naturally have a smiley tone when you're Talking to somebody on the phone. So we tried these like little things and it really worked well. And within like six months, we got it down to 20, which was great.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And and again, I just I, I like arcing this back to kind of the bigger conversation is if we say we got this big, big objective, CEO, we need to reduce 40% turnover because that's unacceptable. And then you can you can say, well, why is it a 40% turnover? Well, you can first answer might be the people aren't nice in the call center aren't nice to each other. Well, we, what can we do to fix that one? Well, why aren't yeah. they ni- not nice? And you can go through the, like the five whys, and you can start breaking down all these things. And I love that each of those has maybe it's hard to me- you, like ultimately you can measure turnover, but really yeah. what you're trying to then figure out is what are the things that like can you measure that can you ultimately measure niceness? Probably not, but there's probably other indicators, right? Like what's happening as you as you observe the floor and how they interact with each other, and so that's awesome. And I and I I, I love how that that just plays out. It leads me to a question because we've. Obviously, in the last year, a lot of things have changed in the world. You mentioned kind of the, the impact of COVID earlier on. From from kind of looking at these overall objectives and things that you're trying to do and measuring, you know, obviously con- still concerned about measurements and roll video, how has the world changed for you in terms of what's happened with, you know, companies going fully remote, moving now we're moving towards hybrids and all sorts of situations that – you know it's you're not all into the office together where you can go in for an hour two or three for training it's it's you're all dispersed so what is how has your world changed since then
1: yeah i think the biggest thing with COVID, we when we started um shutting down right we there, the big challenge was like okay we can't have all these employees so there were layoffs that were occurring. Um, so I worked for one company where we had like a 40% layoff. Um, and that included the entire training team. Um, so it's like, you don't have people who are building the training or, or looking at the impact. You're just, you, you just have to shut down. Um, so you have the lack of experts in training, you know, in the company. Um, then also another problem that I saw was that people were like, oh, we just need to make it all e-learning. And so they were throwing all these decks that were normally facilitated in person with activities and were super engaging and just threw all these these slides into into an e-learning. And it's like, you're just sitting there and you're clicking through the slides, but you're not getting that engagement level. Um, So from there, it's like, wow, that's just not really how training should work and no one's going to retain that. So really thinking about it in terms of like, can you kind of flip, I know saying flip the classroom, you know, but really flipping the classroom and saying, um, what are some things that we can have people sort of study and engage with in, the in an e-learning? And then let's take that and then make an engaging activity with groups. So a lot of platforms that have been, you know, super helpful, like video platforms have been super helpful and like, you know, Fast tracking like products and uh, certain things like breakout rooms or um, sharing screens and going through and and creating little group areas or even leveraging like two different you know video platforms to to do team building or to learn different things has also been like amazing ads for during the during the COVID situation. Um, so those are some of the things that I've seen. But then there's also the hybrid of like being very aware of when being aware and empathetic towards others that may have a situation at home that may not have been very present when we're going into the office. So if you know we very we are very aware around like folks who have children who are at home. So if somebody, if a child comes and sits in your lap, like what are you gonna do? Like There you are. So, and and then some kids that are, their schools were shut down. um, So the parent has to stay at home or one of the parents have to stay at home, being flexible to those sort of environments. um, Also, there might be situations where like that, that person is, has been also, we've seen a flip side where we've had one person who is living in a house with four other people and they're taking all of their calls from their bedroom. And that's hard. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure that wellness is top of mind um, and also, you know, bring breaking out the training. Those chunks are really helpful because then people can stop it if they have to stop certain things and like go and like deal with something or take a break and like have like a wellness moment. Um, our CEO for, for Taskus is very um, adamant about like make sure that you take make sure that you you block some time for yourself, um, whether that's meditating or walking around the block or whatever it might be. And then also the same thing kind of holds true in in your office. Like if you actually have to go into an office for training, like taking that moment and going outside and getting some fresh air, because if you're in the office, you're most likely wearing a mask um, in that environment. And so like that can be very um, constraining and can be like slightly upsetting some wait for like eight hours. So like saying like, okay, we need to take a break. Everyone let's take a break and like, just go outside. So from a facilitation stand, a facilitator standpoint and engagement, like sometimes it's better to have like an engaging video and sort of an e-learning that way, you can actually have a set time where you're having that engagement with the facilitator and say like, hey, remember when we watched this video, does everyone remember this sort of this sort of story that was told? All right, let's create our own story around it and how would you actually apply it to, um, to our working environment or a situation here in on the job? So those are sort of the things that we've had to be very flexible, um, not only from a training standpoint, but also being hyper aware of um, the, the at-home life that people have now, which 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 is maybe not as flexible as we, we could be in the, it could have been in the past.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. That's, that's amazing. And and I love that, you know, it's giving video and other, these other tools are giving that permission, right. To, to not, because I know I, I, you know, there's some things I can read, like I'll say we'll use reading, for example, I can read for a long time, a a novel I can read and for hours. Right. Uh, But sometimes when I'm really processing, I, I, I will forget most of it, and I just need to step away, let let it churn for a little bit, and then come back. So I love that that you're thinking this way, and I and I would imagine, uh, in some ways, it's probably even easier to measure, right? Like, then, hey, we're we've been we we're in a class for three hours, four hours. Yeah, we can do a quiz at the end or test or whatever, but uh, you can see how they did. Did they have a chance to do it? You can make sure you follow up on it. So that's I, I love the, how you're thinking about breaking these things down. It's yeah. super super helpful. Yeah, so. for sure, for sure. All right. Well, we are we're getting close to time, so uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll just say if anyone else has questions for Elizabeth, go ahead and put them in the chat. Now we're going to jump into our speed round, and if any other questions come in, we'll make sure we we answer those. So let's go ahead, and we got a little. I got a little video because I've always got a, a video. Right okay. uh, here's a video okay. to introduce our speed round. <laughs> All right. Speed round. Again, Elizabeth meant to be short, quick kind of answers. Although I'll, I'll, I'll be fair. I have set you up on this first one that it may not be as short as a as, as speed round should be, but it's okay. Tell me about your experience with Tony Hawk. Oh, yeah, that's a setup. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone doesn't know who Tony Hawk is, pro professional skateboarder, amazing, has done the first to do so many amazing tricks. Uh, I grew up watching tony hawk skateboard and uh you know he he also is known on uh the internet for no one ever recognizes tony hawk they meet him and they're like you kind of look like tony hawk but you know i know you're not (laughs) anyway (laughs) tell us about your experience so um so with anthony hawk like i have
1: always been a huge fan um i love the fact what i love about it is that is that he like just found something he loved and found his passion and just kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. And then he started sharing it with others. And now he does a lot of work that is um, based on like, you know, charity work or supporting. He like hides skateboards in in various towns and people go find them. The whole like, are you Tony Hawk or not? Is is absolutely hysterical. Um, But I really love the fact that he really focuses on like, and cares about the partnerships that he has, um, which is pretty amazing. And I recently was promoted uh, within the company, and the um, my amazing team um, got on this platform, and you can actually like hire celebrities to like make statements like "Happy Birthday" or "Congratulations." And my team was amazing; they knew how much I really um, admired Tony Hawk and what he does, and. Basically had Tony Hawk film a little video clip, which is on my Twitter, is pinned to my Twitter account um, about like, congratulating me on my um, promotion. And it was like, pretty much like tears when they gave it to me. It was amazing. Like such a great team.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. I, I love that. Uh, I mean, for many reasons, Cam, it's the platform's cameo, if anyone's curious. Uh, I love that they're using video. It's a creative novel use of video, but also that's uh, having something meaningful like that. Uh, I saw a friend that had. uh, If you ever watched the TV show Psych, they had the two main guys from Psych for their daughter. It was their daughter's like birthday present. One of them, and anyway, it's just super, super fun, but super cool. I had to ask about it because I saw that when I saw it when it happened, I was like, like can't like this enough. This is so cool. So um, next question for you in the speed round. Tell me, you know, if you're familiar with the principles from Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he has this one called Sharpen the Saw, right? Is the idea about how to get better. Uh, what are things that you do to keep continually improving?
1: Um, I I love going to conferences um, just to keep learning and understanding and meeting new people. I think those are a great resource that that we have. It, even virtual um, co- virtual uh, conferences is really great. Um, I am a huge fan of the Harvard Business Review, which is kind of nerdy but i i love uh getting my daily email uh email from them and saying like okay what are some what's one article from here that i can read um i love amazing resources that that i can go and say like hey i don't understand what's going on with this particular aspect of our industry and i'll go and like look it up um i am very interested in like uh, books that are new books that are coming out because there's a lot of stuff that is going on right now with just hybrid learning. And I think those are absolutely fascinating. I love asking um, some of the instructional designers on my team, like what are some trends that you're seeing? Um, my team actually does a monthly lunch and learn uh, where we go over um, specific topics. And thank you again, Matt, for coming to to one of ours. That was that was amazing. Everyone loved it. Um, so really, truly, like looking at you know. Engaging with others in my industry um, and then also looking to to learn something new um, pretty much
0: pretty consistently. I look for new things. That's awesome. Uh, so next question, speed round. What's one piece of advice you'd give to any aspiring leaders who are in the L&D space, learning and development space? Um, That's a hard one. Tell them this.
1: Measure oh
0: stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. I
1: would definitely I would I would definitely like to measure. I would I would really look at the big picture and then kind of dive down dive down from that. Like our practice evaluation model is so enlightening. Um, just in terms of starting at four and then working your way back. Um so often um you know businesses just kind of do this knee-jerk reaction of like, we just need training, training will do it, just do training. And it's like, no, tell me what. What are the main goals? And then let me work back from there and really building relationships um, with the the folks who are are setting those
0: goals and driving them. Yeah, I love that. So what's something that you're awesome at that you don't think most people would know? And most of us don't know you very well that's watching this, but what's one thing you're awesome at? One thing that I'm awesome at? And it doesn't have to be L&D related. You can can say anything. You're secretly doing 900... (laughs) twist ska- okay. on skateboards right my,
1: my team does know this
0: so um i'm really good
1: at making knitting scarves like just straight up scarves just like one big scarf um i knitted uh, a scarf for every single one of my senior leaders um last christmas that's amazing I, yeah but it was a great stress reliever so i would sit on like now i would normally have like a, a scarf in my hand and i would just be knitting and i would just knit and it was a stress reliever hands were moving still engaged it was a it was it was fun
0: yeah i i I love that you know we used to have all these little things that tactile things you could touch and play with and uh i don't have as many at my desk and i should probably get some because it's a good way to keep focus and not just keep looking at my phone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, th- I think this is a very related question to one of the earlier questions, but I, I still want to ask it. Uh, what's one place you turn for inspiration? Uh, just kind of in your daily grind of things, obviously you go sharpen the saw and a lot of conferences and things like that, but is there any place else you'd turn for inspiration? A daily inspiration. Um, gosh,
1: I hate, I hate saying, a. um, like a social media platform. Um, it's okay.
0: Nothing wrong with them. I mean, most people don't like, a lot of people don't like it, but it's great. Great.
1: I really, truly look to, um, we. my company uses, doesn't use Slack, but uses another platform. Um, and what I really love is is my team lead group chat, actually, uh, because I'll, I'll get up in the morning and someone will always say like, good morning, sunshine, or happy Wednesday. And like, Just really, like, I look forward to that. Like, during the week, that's, I really look forward to that pretty consistently. And then on a weekend, I might use, like, Instagram and, like, look at, like, someone who is being super crafty that I follow or my friend Beth who did this painting. Like, just, like, look for the inspiration in the day. And so, I mean, my team pretty much inspires me every day, which is... That's awesome. Which is really, I think sometimes can be unique, but also I feel super, super lucky about it.
0: No, I th- I I love that answer because so often we talk about like oh a book or you know this person or that. But I love that you're just finding daily inspiration in in the little things that are happening. And I I love going into our 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 instance of, in this case it, it is Slack. But like I love seeing the animated gifts or where it was like, good morning. Everyone's got then they're, you know they're piling on or sometimes people will put in their uh, pictures of their pets over the weekend and you know whatever. And I just I, that, it is such a great reminder that we are human. That we have more yeah. to, to connect on than just solve. It. Like, yes, we need to solve these problems, but I, I, so I, I, I love that it's it's not this big complicated thing. Okay. Yes. Uh, so tip, tip. Yeah. There is this platform called Reface. If you're not aware of it, but you
1: can get like a celebrity and like put your face on the celebrity, and then that is really entertaining to send around.
0: <laughs> it's I'll have to check that out. Okay, i got one more question for you, and. Everyone that we've done speed round interviews with have said this is probably the hardest question, uh, so I'm going to turn it around on you and ask, what's one question you would like to ask me? Uh, what is your favorite video?: My favorite video, ever. oh my gosh. in, in the world ever in entertainment?
1: World. And it can be anything. It can be a movie, it can be a TV show, it can be a clip. it can be um, it
0: can be anything. Everyone that's gonna watch this is thinking Matt is going to have an extra existential crisis now because oh my gosh how do I answer that it's because for me that's like you've just asked me hey my kids are probably listening but don't ask me which one are my favorite I'll t- no just kidding I don't have a favorite um, gosh that's not, it's such a hard question because I like videos for so many different reasons and, and I can tell you like right now I have just thoroughly enjoyed from a TV show perspective, TV format, like everything that Marvel's doing in, on, on Disney Plus with their TV show, because it's, I think they're breaking new ground, frankly. Like it's it's not just a TV show, they're, they're doing something that hasn't been done. But on the same hand, like I just watched his, and you know, this is a partner of ours, somebody that we worked with, his name is Steve Dotto, just did a video about why he switched from another product to Camtasia. And it was so well done. And it wasn't just that he was talking about like us But there was these nuanced details that I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. Like he was showing how he uses Snagit in his workflow and, you know, Snagit comes down You got this red round capture button and he used this call out on it that was a dotted line that was, it's so subtle, but the dotted line is what Snagit uses like when you draw out a box and it was just such 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 a small detail. I don't know if anyone else really noticed it, but I noticed it. I was like, oh my gosh, that is brilliant. Um, so, I mean, I love so many videos, uh, I, I don't even know how, I oh, gosh, <laughs> I don't know if I can answer this. I, 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 here's what I'll do. I'll make this, uh, take the pressure off of everyone else. I'll say one of my favorite videos I've ever made, uh, was, was in it, are one of the, it was, it's really not because even the content, but one of the favorite setups is at TechSmith Academy, we've got a video about writing scripts and the opening is a friend of mine who, she used to work at TechSmith, uh, She's basically, she's dressed up in her power business suit and she's like, ah, I don't need a script, I've got this. And you see her progressively get further and further into a lake and then she's like treading water, like flailing and it was all the metaphor, the story that you talked about earlier, the metaphor to draw people in about like why you need a script because you get off, you know, without a script, you're gonna flail, it's gonna be difficult. And for me, that was just super fun and the commitment of Andrea. uh, And then we had an end scene uh, with her now husband, Mike, uh, same thing, it was November 4th or 6th in Michigan, in a Ooh. lake, and just a commitment. And they were like, we're like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't do this. And they're like, no, 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 we're doing it. And so I loved just everything that went into it. That was a great metaphor. It was a great story. It tied like this whole piece together, but also they were just so committed. And they're not actors. They're just, you know, people and <laughs> normal people. So anyways, that's an easy one for me to pick out. It was fun to do, but I love most videos uh, I see and I'm but I'm also very critical uh, like I can love a video, but I can also be very critical of it. So long answer to a really hard question. I'm just stalling. it. <laughs> so, well, Elizabeth, we are we are at time. Thank you so much for spending time with me. You had so many fantastic stories and uh, ideas and advice. I hope everyone listening has has listened closely because I think everything you said, even though we didn't talk, you know, details of video, all of it is so important for the bigger picture and it does all apply to video content. So thank you so much for being with me.
1: Sure, thank you so much for having me, it was great.
0: Yeah, we'll have to do it again sometime. All right, Elizabeth Pierce, everyone, thank you for Elizabeth joining us. And here's before we wrap up, just we're at the end here, make sure that you like and subscribe and listen to the podcast, go find us, leave comments, reviews, you know the drill. We just shouldn't have to ask, but we do because it helps us to know what's working, what would you like to see? It helps us to know how could we make this better. And that's what we wanna do is continually make this better. And speaking of getting better, we hope that you take a little bit of time, whether you're making images or videos, you're making your own training, you're working on whatever projects and problems you're trying to solve, take just a little bit of time to level up every single day. We'll see you guys next week with another great interview. We've got Jane Davids. She's gonna be talking about creating Camtasia videos. She is an expert Camtasia trainer, by the way. So we'll talk to you guys later, bye.